What is VUCA and how does it affect our businesses? That is the topic today. Stick around and learn how to fight VUCA with VUCA. As always, feedback is a gift. Let us know what you think about the show on boardroom.fm. Leave us a review on your favorite platform. Subscribing says a lot and supports the show. Otherwise, welcome back to The Boardroom in the Basement with Ben. I'm on a boat, Glather. Taylor, where did Hawaii go low? And me, Brett, swimming in the sharky waters hail. Let's get started. So VUCA. VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Um, And why why did we land on this topic? We landed on it because it's the world we live in. It is... The new VUCA environment around us everywhere. Our context is obviously business, but it's everywhere. It's global. It's it's just trying to make you know sense of the trying to head into the future and progress. Um, but we are, we live in a VUCA world. So in a VUCA world, all businesses are startups. Our businesses have never faced more of of just what Taylor mm-hmm. was just saying, and you just start thinking about like where competition comes from right and you and just where it's gone to and businesses uh it's it's they're getting competition and you know almost in a in a way i think about it like attacked Mm -hmm. from all sides Mm -hmm. and there is very few safe choices anymore if a company tries to be risk adverse um you know they they end up doing nothing right they're, you know, they're, they're stuck in a, um, actually when it, one of the things I was reading about, I was, I, I was like, man, that's kind of funny is, you know, if you're, if you try to figure out all of your risks and, oh my gosh, there's so much, you know, right. Then you do the paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. and you're just stuck. It's funny. You just mentioned that it just made me think of the whole Bud Light thing going on right oh now. Oh my gosh. I mean, who could have Great predicted example. that? Wait, I haven't been following. So catch me up. Uh, so Dylan Mulvaney. She's a transgender influencer, mm-hmm. and Bud Light sent her some cans with her face on it hmm. to celebrate her, I think it was one year. She was 365 days a woman. Yeah. Ah. So, so on her 365th day, huh. they sent her, and, and she is a social media influencer. Okay. So it's not, it wasn't like some random person. Like, sure. this is... Somebody that has lots and lots of followers and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And so they, for March Madness, sent her and, and her birthday, her huh. womanhood birthday, yep. sent her a can. Oh. So Bud Light, since they did that, has lost like almost a quarter of their, you know, they, they've, their, their sales have dropped by 20, yeah. like 26%. Market share hit. Yeah. yeah. So and, I heard one percent. Well, hold on, and I'll because I, I read that article. So, but I so Bud Light, the uh, brand. Uh, okay. Yeah. Their sales have dipped twenty six percent. Anheuser Busch. Anheuser Busch. Their valuation <laughs> dropped five billion dollars. Yeah. Huh. And um. So then, when they did their earnings call, they overall. Bud Light, the the loss of revenue for Bud Light was one percent of InBev's gotcha. sales. I see. InBev so, sales, but that but that's who owns them. 
Well, right, but I was curious whose sheet that is. Is it Anheuser Busch's one percent or InBev? Because one percent of InBev is a lot different than. Yeah, no, it, it was one. I think it's one percent of InBev. Wow, which so, would be like, yeah, that's a major hit. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, when you, yeah, yeah, and and so anyway, so yeah, what Brett's alluding to is that, and and actually that's funny because you're, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, who, in a million, you know, there's been so many influencers and like you know like and and just you know things th similar things you know pride month and blah 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 you know all this stuff yeah and that was and, and the only way i can think of it is just that that was like the straw that broke the camel's back hmm. and people were like mm -mm, yeah not not with bud light and they yeah and oh. that has been i i i was watching and um i can't reference who i, I i've person out you know something and and they were talking about it and they were like you know they're like bud light might never recover from this hmm. and 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 you know the the and i thought about that i'm i'm a light beer drinker yeah so of course though you're a course course light. i know that yeah <laughs> yep so but here's the deal so the what the person said and i'm like gosh there's a lot of truth there yeah. so they're saying like you know you take these light beers uh -huh. you know you got course light miller light but you know, there's several Michelin. um yeah they're there's not a lot of difference between them, really. You probably have picked that drink of choice by through something else. Your dad drank it, or you know what I mean, like like something brand association. Yeah, something happened. Actual, I like it was this. it was not. A Would you taste. say that you identified with Bud Light? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going yeah. for it. No, no. Yeah. Well, I didn't, but I, but yeah, but I did. I identified with the Silver Bullet. Yeah. No, but anyway, that's right. So I mean, that's it's the, that's the truth, right? Yeah. Dead, dead serious, and and so anyway, um, but now. You know that they've lost all these people, yep. and so many people like have have you know huh. bars and restaurants have said like no, we're not going to carry it anymore, and this and that. And so you know you're you're you know you're not going to have this these people come back because of uh, because it's superior. That that's the problem. It's not like if you if you like uh you know if you like Coca Cola, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if that's what tastes good to you, mm -hmm. then that's what you're going to drink. Mm -hmm. But because these other ones are so similar, yeah. you're you know the the fact that people went away, they're not going to come back. Yeah, yeah. they're changing their identities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> oh my. But, but yeah, it's a uh, and and who would have thought. Uh, yeah, outside outside of right or wrong or yeah. sure or no yeah how like, you feel like yeah. there I mean the the backlash on this one is yeah. unprecedented and and I think AB InBev I, from what I understand they're trying to play it off yeah uh, Bud Light's made a lot of changes in their leadership and put huh. people on leave and mm. you know yeah. they've done a terrible job backpedaling from this Oof. Uh, they they just I, I think it goes back to something we saw with the MLB. With mm. like BLM, mm -hmm. with the World Series, and it was like they were did a terrible job managing that until they made they just made a decision and said, you know what, we're picking a direction, move the All Star game to uh, yep. Coors Country. Mm -hmm. Ironically, man, you ha I don't even know how you react to that, and in such a large industry where it's like like one percent matters to them yeah. a lot, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe to circle back into the, the, the topic around VUCA and what 
you know, Ben thinking of like your every business as a startup in that type of a world and thinking about the concept of change. And I think, I think what's really interesting is looking at these big behemoths in, in the, in the, in the VUCA context, right. Um, where 1% is monumental, right. Where any risk is just super calculated and could be, you know, monumentally impactful difference between market leader or market follower. Exactly. And I am just, uh, really wondering what the role of, you know, these big, big businesses are in the future. If they're set up to survive, if they're going to be around, uh, in, and, and sounds like, you know, this is all in an effort to like change and innovate in a really weird kind of messed up way that, did not go well for them. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, like how, what's the role of these businesses and what, what will the landscape look like? Cause I don't see VUCA going away. Like I just don't like COVID was bad oh. and it threw shit out of whack for sure. It's it, our world is just, it seems like things are changing at rapid pace now with AI, with, you know, just, you know, we're, we're coming into this new age of technology like shit is not going to stay still ever again. I feel. Well, I, I think, I mean to interrupt you, but but like like when you talk about like something like this, like with the Bud Light commercial, it it's an it's a perfect example of you know in the past you did a marketing campaign mm-hmm. and if it failed, you're like, damn it, we spent ten million dollars on a marketing campaign and we didn't get any benefits of it. Right. right. But but this using this as a showing this uh I mean that this would go under probably a couple different check marks of a of a VUCA world, but you know, the they did an ad and they went backwards. Mm-hmm. And they would have I mean, I don't think anyone I, I'm very confident, you know, no one would have ever have thought that by doing an ad campaign, you would go backwards yeah. and, and hurt yourself so much. Yeah. Competition isn't even coming from their competitors. <laughs> Competi- you know, like they, the competition came from their loyal drinker base yeah. that said, no thank you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's got to be unprecedented because probably the only other screw up of this magnitude can be when coke went to new coke yeah oh yeah (laughs) and then they had to you know and i don't know how long that lasted but you know nine months later they were like just kidding guys (laughs) yeah it's only old coke yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) the difference that which is it's kind of a fun comparison and i would i would love to spend a lot of time breaking down the bud light thing and like where they went wrong Mm mm-hmm but if you look at Coke versus New Coke, it's like it'd be like Coke changing the logo, but not the recipe. Yeah, like New Coke. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. And it's so bizarre to think about somebody, um, y- you know, way back when when that happened. I remember it probably all too well. But you know, imagine somebody back then going, "Oh my God, have you seen that New Coke logo? <laughs> <Yeah>. No, thank <laughs> you." <laughs> I will yeah. not be seen with a Coke can in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. But right? but now that's you're right. I mean, that is exactly yeah. how Bud Light is. Complexity. Plays in perfectly with this. Yeah. yeah, it just shows that. I mean, that that all this can come from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. For an organization like AB InBev to and like Bud Light, right? You know, again, 
they've been doing this for a while, right? Yeah. You got to think their their intelligence, their their decision making process, like all that's got to be like fine tuned and just super yeah. honed in. And for this to be the outcome, it's just yeah. like, how, how do you like what the hell happened? The, the masters of marketing. Think about the, you know, the all the different commercial campaigns that were referenced and pop culture and movie, you know, all across things. And yeah. How how many Super Bowl commercial, you know, from, from classic, like, you know, Clydesdales to, to, you know, silly things, you know, the, the, the WhatsApp and stuff. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting one. So that was, that was a, a fast start. What, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think it just kind of goes to show yeah. the wor- it's, true world we're living in right now. It's, yeah. just, it's not hard to find a really impactful example. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that was a, a mistake on Bud Light's part, right? For, for trying something new. I, um, there's certainly things to learn from it from them if they want to continue to be the same company. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't, that's a different story. From a VUCA standpoint, I I spent a lot of time thinking about planning, mm-hmm. um, just naturally where my mind went, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I I I came up with anything like solid to 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 actually do this. My first take was instead of building a plan, um, how do you build a system around what you want yep. an outcome to be? So, yep. and I think this is a great. Um, example of what startups have to do is you have to be agile and lean and have a system in place that that allows you to pivot really quickly. Mm-hmm. So even in a sense where if if Bud Light needs to be a startup, that's not going to happen. But maybe maybe this is the 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 self pruning of our large companies because they they just can't yeah. do what needs to be done anymore. Well, I mean like I think what you're bringing up, I think about it very similarly. The the cute phrase I keep in my head is it's the difference between doing what we've always done because you've got the data to back it versus anticipating what the future holds, right? Right. So it's like this, hey, we've got all the the trends in history and you know, all this this stuff of like this is how it works. And so we're gonna we're going to keep that core and you know put an innovation sheen on it, right? Which I don't I think it kind of I feel like that's kind of what's what's happening with a lot of these big businesses, right? Like we're just trying to do the same thing but make it look different. What we're really needing, or kind of where where I, I see organizations being successful in a VUCA world, is being able to lean into that that kind of uncertainty, right? Like we can kind of see. Where the not even necessarily a trend, but like where certain pockets of needs are, right? Where we see opportunities and anticipate, you know, what the what the needs are going to be in in an area, and being able to capitalize on going after that, building systems like you mentioned, Brett, to to make good on that, and honestly, having the organization set up to to do that, right? It's one thing to see where things are going, and a completely other thing to be able to set up a business to make make the opportunity you know financially uh successful uh fulfilling whatever it is right like it's totally different now i I know you come from the oil and gas industry can you uh, there's probably tons of examples where you see that that shift needing to happen do you have like a here's the way it 
works here's the way it it should work yeah so that's a great point and yeah i do have i have lots of examples the one that comes to mind is you know i think uh we live in a world where climate change is driving so much of thoughts around energy around how we do everything right and what where i've seen us you know uh where i've seen some examples of like hey we need to do this better in 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 trying to be i guess you know kind of on the front end of it is can can we build like a, a say like an oil plant or a processing facility that doesn't doesn't emit right if we think that oil and gas has a place in the future and, and this isn't my personal take this is just rhetoric and kind of what's out there uh if if oil and gas has a place in the future how do we do it in a way that you know we're not actually we're we're not the the bad guys that are pumping a bunch of CO two into the atmosphere, right? Before it even gets to like a car, right, where it's being combusted in an engine, right? There's a whole bunch of issues around how much methane you know comes out of the process. But the thinking of and and a more personal experience of mine has been like, can I design an actual facility, you know, a, a surface based facility that gathers the oil and gas and make it so that we can measure and verify that there's no no errant emissions, no no leakage of anything, and everything that comes out of the ground stays in the can, in the pipe, and will do so all through the value chain. And so th- those are areas where I do see like some, like the, the talk is there and the intention is there. Some of the actions aren't always very aligned. And so often, and, and I'd say more often than not, and something that actually drove my exit from the industry was when you when you get to like the town halls when you get to the the investor calls you know they're all talking points but what 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 always ends up being the major focus is the performance of the business right the production levels that you're hitting the the financial drivers right right and and that never went away so i could never get the sense that hey we're willing to take a risk and implement a change and do something different even though it's it's risky and could potentially hurt our business in a financial way. There was never any appetite for that. There was never any uh, consideration of that. It was always just, we're keeping this ship steady and we're going to make it, make some shiny, innovative, you know, pitches, ideas um, that, you know, as me, someone who was trying to actually implement true change was really frustrating, hard to deal with and not something that I see being sustainable in the long term. So how how does VUCA play into that world right now? Yeah, so VUCA is playing into that world in a sense that, I mean, you look at oil and gas, volatility, we'll just do one at a time in terms of the letters. You've got major competition from renewables now. It's very cheap and economic to do so. So it's making the just the demand for oil and gas uh, a bit wonky to predict, you know, volatile up and down. You looked... In, a la- in the last two, three years, you've seen an all-time low of oil be negative, in, in, which has never happened in the history of ever. Like there was, I remember the day, it was in 2021, maybe? I can't remember the exact, I remember feeling, the feelings of like, wow, I'm working for an oil and gas business, and today the price of oil is negative, which means like anything that I do, which doesn't directly translate, right, sure. necessarily, but it's funny to think about, right? It's like, oh, shit, like... We're trying to... We're, we're paying to give away oil. Yeah, it's like <laughs> weird. But um, so there's, there's a ton of volatility in that space. Um, uncertain with how things are going to be uh, needed 
and think about globally, right? Think about globally. Like here in the U.S., we've got a lot of renewable and clean energy in- incentives. We've got pushes. We have a lot of energy to make that transition. There are developing countries and nations around the world that aren't in that situation. You think about, you know, uh, a lot of Europe right now who's been reliant on Russia for their oil and gas products and to heat their homes and power their, their infrastructure, who all of a sudden it, new pressures and different demands there. So it's like, oh, crap, Ken. Is, is that going to be something that sustains? How is that going to play out? Like, that's crazy. The complexity brought in by anything, like different technologies, different actors around the world. It, it's super complex. Can you make something that is inherently a, a fossil, dirty energy clean? Like, it, you can, but it's complex. And ambiguous, it's just, I mean, I don't know how much more I can say, right? Like, right. it's you put it all together, and it's just like you can see how how convoluted it is. Maybe one thing I'll, I'll, I'll lean into is just, I think about being a historical shareholder in terms of like, I, I own oil and gas stock, right? And I've gone in and out of that. I've, I've um, divested from that. I've come back. I've divested. I've come back. <laughs> All from the standpoint of, do I want my voice at the table or not, right? Does, that, does my voice matter? Like, how, how can I draw? And, and I even think about it as a more institutional investor, right? Someone who, who has more, like, say than I do. Right? How does that person weigh with, oh, we, we want to drive change, but we don't want to encourage bad habits, right? So it's, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Yeah. Very VUCA. Very similar in the, in the like, data energy business then or data center world. What I think about, again, is, like, supply chain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and talk about uncertainty and stuff. I mean, we've, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see what could happen if you could supply everyone everything. And there's just not enough, there's not enough of anything. I mean, there, there's still certain raw materials that are shortage. There's a worker shortage, skilled, skilled labor shortage. You know, microchips are still in a shortage. And, and this is true uncertainty, right? Like, Yeah, that's, it's, it's true. It's un- not just delayed. You yeah. don't know when there'll be enough production. No, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and people talk about, you know, it's, it's out there. And obviously, they're, they're like with the chip manufacturers, right? I mean, there's... You know, I think there's four of them going in the United States now, as they've said, "Hey, we're mm-hmm. can't can't survive on you know or rely on China for our supply of those." Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I I I guess you could say yes. Eventually, we will get caught up, but but you know, I mean, that that's just on the chips. I mean, there are still um, other supply chain things, and it's unforeseen pressures on a business, and. And who knows who's going to survive? You know, just talk about like we're like acting like a startup. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when when you're thinking about as, as a startup business, I mean, you're just trying to say, hey, I want to you know survive and get to a sustainable business model, right? I mean, get something and you know, and, and obviously, if you're like you're in manufacturing or something like that, you know, get your economies of scale in order so you can you know grow and and make money and and make things. And even like what you're talking about, like oil and gas and stuff. I mean, it. Uh, the the supply chain plays a huge role in that, and major, yeah, a lot of external pressures that would be, I guess, hard <laughs> to to sit and expect. Mm-hmm. So now it's here, and again, to act as a startup, so it hits you. You've got to be able to be flexible and quick to respond, and. And again, you know, you, you're mentioning some of these big companies, a, a lot of them, you know, we, we joke, you know, it's a 
big ship or something, you know, it's hard to turn it. But, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, you've, you've got to have uh, leadership in place that can make quick decisions and, and change things quickly. So I, I get the, the need to respond quickly, but, but questioning how, like if, if a business is just some sort of aggregation of all its ROI, right? Mm-hmm. You invest time, you invest resources, all towards some goal. How do you make sure you actually are on track for a goal? You know, pivoting could be changing suppliers. Pivoting could be like this, this whole revenue stream is dead. If you have two years to deliver, to get to a data center, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to have some other way of making income presumably if you want to grow or get anywhere. Like how, how do you balance that? Yeah, it's a tough thing. And the idea of like staying the course with like a, an, a strategy or an idea amidst all the, the VUCA-ness hitting you, right? And being like, yeah, we know it's crazy right now. Supply chains are uncertain, but we have this vision and we're heading towards it. And we've got a strategy that's got us going on that vision and we're going to stick to it, right? And almost thinking of VUCA more of like noise. There's There's got to be a gray zone of hey, it's noise, but there's also some real factors at play here, right? I think that you, you don't want to be like herky-jerky in terms of like knee-jerk with decisions and directions and whatnot. That's really unsettling and probably making things worse. But you have to have like a, you have to have a North Star. Like you've got to have an idea of what you are as a business, what you're trying to achieve and what's important. And, and, and that, that vision and those values are, are the cornerstone. And you branch out from there and build out from there and 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 let that open up opportunities for you. So like, hey, I got our data center won't be revenue positive or generating for two years, and we've got to figure out what to do today. What are your what partnerships are out there? Like, what what's the purpose of your business, and who cares about that? Also, who can help you make that a reality? Right? You know, what what are you what are you sharing? What's your marketing look like? I think that's another thing, right? Who are you? How are you actually pitching this to? people that that do care and where are your allies and where can you find synergies to make reacting quickly and flexibly an option that's where my mind goes oh ben what do you think well i want to ask brett a question so you worked at Ticketmaster. yes when when covid hit i did so i mean that was that is literally the most extreme you sell people tickets Mm -hmm. to go to events and no one could go to events. This is true. (laughs) So, so, I mean, you, you were on the inside, you know, and, and so, I mean, what I I would love to hear like what some of that leadership decision-making was about, like, holy cow, you've literally like in, in, in a two week time frame, you had no more revenue. Yes. So what, what was that like? Scary. Yeah. From a, a leadership perspective, I, I don't think anybody had even embraced, we'll call it the vukaness of what was going on at the time, right? So mm. one of the things that, that I I complain about a lot is whiplash, right? And I think mm. that's the, the knee-jerk reactions that, that Taylor's talking to. Live Nation, who owns Ticketmaster, went a different route out of the gate and, and kind of said, you know, we... We are a very um, strong business that can withstand this for a long time and said, you know, just feel safe and where you're at. This isn't going to hurt us. 
we back online when we can, right? But I, I think after a month goes by, you know, people are starting to sweat and be like, oh my God, we, we can't do this forever actually. So what do we have to do now? And so the, the decision at that time was made on, on what, you know, some sort of prediction of a very uncertain future. Hmm. And, and I think, you know, I've, I've heard the way certain companies handled it versus Live Nation. Live Nation went through several rounds of, of rifts or reductions in forces and other measures, pay cuts to, to try to combat what was going on. Other companies took very hard cuts out of the gate to make sure that they save every last bit of money to, to get through this. It's hard to say one's right or wrong. And at the time, this was certainly unprecedented. But what it, it called out is nobody was ready for this to happen. And nobody had built a business that was ready to react to this happening. It was impossible to, to get through it, I think, mm-hmm. um, without serious changes. And I think that's what I like about this topic the most and the you know comments about startup. It's like, actually, now in this world, mm-hmm. how do we set up our business for success knowing that this is probably going to be the new world? Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that we keep bringing up is that you know we are now in the, the age of information, right? Like change, information is flowing faster than ever. So I, I'm, I'm almost viewing this VUCA world as just a compressed timeline of what we used to to live in. We had time to make decisions. We had time to do research. We had time to think about stuff. Now we have less time. And then if, if AI ushers in a new industrial age, it's going to even be faster. Mm -hmm. It's going to probably feel like the pandemic overnight again. And so how do you set up that business to like run at that speed? At the time it was super scary and, and nobody was prepared to to even tackle the level of it needed to be tackled. Yeah, or predict yeah. what was going to happen, right? How do you react to something that you don't know what you're reacting to? Right. Well, I mean, to your point, like if you had a purpose, to an extent, Live Nation could have said, and, and they, they tried to get into virtual events and whatnot, but I think they could have said, our job is to make connections, you know, and that's what their their the slogan was, is um, get you in, right? And mm-hmm. connect. And I think, immediately out of the gate there even from a community standpoint there could have been a different level of engagement that could have used you know that the infrastructure that they had for different purposes creating different types of connections mm-hmm. um so you know i'm not saying that would have been enough to stop any of the layoffs from happening at the time but it might have helped it might yeah. have helped well and i and and i don't know uh, from a business perspective, of course, the, the survival of the business is the most important thing. I think about this also like a, a destination type journey. I'm in a car. My car quits working. So now I got to figure out I'm, I'm trying to get west. Now I've got to figure out and get in a, you know, get in a boat. And, and go instead of a car, right? You know, I mean, seriously, right? And and I mean, I mean, I, I think that's kind of where this takes us, right? Is like, you know, this, you, you've got to drive down the, you know, you, you drive as far as you can in the car. Now you got to get in a boat and you go in a boat as far as you can. Now you got to get in a plane. And, and sometimes it might get hard. And so you have to get on a bike. And, and it's not fun for anyone, right? I mean, it's not the way you want it. You know, if you think of like terms of like a, 
a, a travel experience, right? You're like, I would much rather be in a plane right now than on a bike, but that's your options. So now you get on a bike and you go. And, you know, just, just as you're dealing, as you're getting hit with all these types of things, because when you, when you talk about something that is like there's unlimited <laughs> number of things that can disrupt and affect both negatively and positively your business, you've just got to, you've, you've got to just keep moving forward. And what I heard you here say, and, and also the, with the speed, you need decisive people. I mean, you know, so, somebody that can, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that can make comments like, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of people that, you know, wait and see and, well, let's, let's ride this out. Let's see what the numbers from the first quarter say or something. Right. But, but, you know, I mean, if, if you have somebody that can really be decisive and say, you know what, this is what I think. And this is where we're going. Yeah. What I, I like the, the boat analogy, because what it makes me think if I was a leader and I'm like, all right, we got to go get in this boat now to get to our destination. Cause we got to, you know, we were going to take the bridge, but the bridge is down. So now we got to get in this boat. Mm -hmm. I don't have a boat mechanic. So if, if the boat breaks down, what are we going to do? Like, Oh, that's a whole new set of issues that you, you cannot possibly plan for. And I think this is where my head was with planning is you can't plan for everything that's going to go wrong. So how, how do you actually, you know, build that culture that, that says, all right, you know, we have enough smart people in here and, and somebody needs to now figure out how to operate this boat. We need a pilot. We need, you know, a mechanic on the boat and we're going to get to that island. By the way, if, if that island now blows up and we're, we have no destination to go to. It's what a really is, exciting what movie. I want to watch right, this. Right. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it may kind of makes me think of succession planning for, for somebody at work, right? Do you, if you were to just have a team that was critical and one day the most important person left and you're just like, oh gosh, that sucks, <laughs> right? Like, what are we going to do now? It's like, well, you should have thought did, about did that. Did Brad right? just jump off the boat? Like, yeah. is he, is he exactly. Swimming in the water? Yeah. Did he say anything? <laughs> I didn't even think of anywhere near this, but just what you're talking about right here reminds me a lot of uh, like the military. Yeah. And you think about, and, and, and I was kind of going, I'm like, man, you know, like if you're on a boat and, you know, what, what happens? All right. You've got GPS. You can do this. Bam. We leave. We're, we're heading to Hawaii. Well, VUCA is a military term, is it not? I honestly didn't know that. I'm pretty I thought, sure. I thought so. Yeah. 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 Sure. I think it's like, yeah. Older than we think it is. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I did not know that. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. No, that's... no, no, you're, it's fine. But I, so, so anyway, but I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, like if you're in a boat going to Hawaii and you got GPS and everything, well, what happens if you lose power? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you can, and you even brought, you know, like the North Star, you can, you could probably get pretty close. I mean, you know, it, it might not be, and, and again, just like how messy the real world is, right? Yes, the best case scenario is you have your plan and you work your plan and you get from A to B. But when you have all these other things and like you and 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 just like what you're talking about, I mean, if you don't have a a plan to deal with issues, emergencies, problems, then you're going to be dead in the water. But well, if you can, you know, but but if you can be like, oh, hey, we, yeah, or yeah, yeah, or, or whatever, you know, but but yeah, and and same thing, right? If you if you don't have uh, some way to deal with it. And of course that 
it's not what anyone wants to think about, but if you have to, I think that was really insightful from you. It's 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 fun to think about Ticketmaster or, yeah. or Live Nation. It's all of like literally Hawaii wasn't there all of a sudden. They're like, We're gonna we're getting to Hawaii, man. This is gonna be so awesome. And then <laughs> yeah. Hawaii just disappears. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That is. You know, and I think what what's jumping out to me is like a couple things. I agree that you've got to be you got to have decisive decision makers. That's got to be balanced, and which come every time I hear about quick decisions, like the the word that that comes to mind is bias. Right, you're gonna have bias in those decisions, so be careful with that. And thinking about yeah, Hawaii dis, like disappearing on you like all of a sudden it's i think what comes up to me in that instance is if you're on a boat the question that you you have to ask yourself as a leader of an organization is where now is what do we do now it's hard to think about like was hawaii the north star right and assuming that it is and playing the scenario out like hawaii was our north star that's where we were going but it is now gone it is now gone i think Questions are okay. Will it come back? If it doesn't, where do where do we go now? All right, do we want to go somewhere? I agree with what you're saying, but my mind immediately goes to how much food do we have on this boat? How much water? Like, how soon do we need to make like pick a direction? Like, what is mm-hmm. what is the state? And can you operate in that way on a daily basis? That's a whole different process of constantly. Like, right, how much water is on? And it's it's probably exactly how the military operates right yeah like where you well, go, how much ammunition do we have how much water how much food and and actually that's exactly what a business would do right i mean they sit there and and again using live nation you know right i mean hey we have x amount of money how long can we sustain right without having any revenue and 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 you start making some of those hard choices and start doing some of those things right how how long can you sustain and and where do we need to go and then to your point like if if it if it does go away the thing goes away all right we we've got this amount of time that means we need to make and and using the boat analogy all right we we've got 30 days supply of food and water and the nearest port is 28 days away so we have 2 days to make a decision and we need to shove 13 people overboard. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and, and so in, For sure. in two days, yeah, in two days, we're making a decision and, and then you start rationing. So then you start cutting salaries and you're not really doing that, you know, in, the, in our scenario, but yeah, then you start laying off people and start rationing and doing this and, and you start heading and you, and you go, that is probably exactly what they do. The uncertainty part of this is the the one that I keep tripping up on because you could do that and say we have two days to make a decision, assuming the worst case scenario. Yeah. Right. Yep. And and how how much resources are you going to spend preparing for the worst case? Like, are you going to build? Uh, I'm switching gears here a little bit, but are you going to build a bomb shelter, stock it up with six years of food, spend you know? two or three years salary doing that when there's like a 1% chance of something happening. Right. And arguably like if, if you were risk planning for a pandemic, it probably should have been a pretty high percentage that something like this was going to happen again soon with the uncertainty. Like you don't even know what to plan for at that point. So Mm -hmm. 
which is why I go back to, and I, I, I really appreciate this conversation because I, I, I love to hear the, the thought of like, yeah, how, how long is this boat going to stay afloat and how long are these people going to be able to survive before mutiny or something else, right? Yeah. And to me, I, I circle back to that uncertainty has to exist for everyone at some level. And what's most important, I feel, is can you get that boat to work together towards something together, right? Whatever it is. I think it requires, even if you don't have the time, to, I think you've got to find a way to, to make as much time as you can to really, you know, engage and interact with, with the people on the boat, yeah. right? Folks, where are we going? Where do we want to go? This is, this is why you all came here. That destination is now uncertain. And we have to chart a new course. And you're, you were all here for that reason or a reason before. And I, I need to route. Like I, the, the, the only way we're getting out of this, this unknown future, is if we do yeah. it together, right? And so it comes back to, yes, we need to survive. Yes, we need to figure out how we're going to get to wherever. Yes, like we have limited resources. Yes to all those things. What's going to get us all to pull through to where you get a, a moment of, of certainty, right? Something will come along that you can grab, grasp onto. And what's important when those moments come around is you've got a team behind that can push you there, right? Yeah. You know, I feel like, I think the worry for me is do you worry so much about, you know, not having a destination, not having a chart? trying to keep everything together, put it, pulling it together, that you're, you're going to overlook something that you can channel everyone's energy and effort to. Yeah. That's where I go with that. Are you suggesting that you don't play to lose more so than you still play to win? Oh, that's an interesting question. It's actually kind of funny me saying this. Like, I'm, I'm pretty risk-averse. I like to have contingency plans, backup plans. Like, if I were to start a business... Um, pandemic planning would certainly be one of the risk scenarios that we play out and prepare for. Um, I think what I'm trying to get across is vision and values. I, I feel very broken record many times as we, we talk on the show with each other. I think the vision for your business, your organization, your purpose is so important that it has to be the thing that folks can always fall back on, that people can turn to and say, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're at Live Nation. We can't do live events. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this business successful? How are we going to keep our people fulfilled? How are we going to live out the values and the vision of our, our, our reason for being with our method and means now removed from us, right? So if you if your company was terrible at the vision and value things or just had the wrong ones, like mm -hmm. what happens in an, an event like that that's just so profound? My, my feeling is if you don't have that as a starting point, you're set up for failure from the beginning. So like I don't know. I, I always think there's, there's, there's time and place to do that. Like the, if you haven't done it, you better do it now is like my only thought about that. My, my like true deepest original thought is like, if you're going to set something up, have a vision and value from it from the get go. So you can fall back. I mean, that should be why you're doing something right. Like it, making money is great and that's important. And I would like to do that. And I'm, I'm on board with that. 
what's I think going to make that a reality is if you have a vision that you can, you you can share, you can you can tell that story, you can rally people behind you. So that's 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 my take. Yeah, Taylor, I I personally agree with you that you've got to have a good vision, a rough direction as it may be changing. <laughs> it w- and it will as, be. Yeah, as it will ever be changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think though there. There's probably a couple things in there though, like like, and I take this from a a safe like a e- either you know on the boat with people's lives or in a safety world. Some of it is non-negotiable. Like if you, if you are if you're a ma- manufacturing company, right around danger, you know, or metal and sharp things, yep. like you know you, uh, you know, there there's zero tolerance, right? Yep. I mean, you you have to have zero. It it has to be this way, and and you know, and 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 I guess you know why, why you've got a good purpose. It might not necessarily be the people, <laughs> everyone collaborating and getting there, because I I I fear people also tend to, um, you know, or could he, could fall into the trap of cutting corners. And doing things, so you need somebody to hold everybody accountable and keep marching along and having some of these things that are non-negotiable. So what I hear you saying, it, this is your, your value talking. Yeah. Right? Yep. So I, and, and maybe I should have been more like, like truly explicit. When I say vision and values, uh-huh. I truly mean both of those things at the same time. Okay, right? yeah. So like the vision is important, but it, vision is nothing without a value set. Yeah, okay, yeah. I totally agree with you. And, and, and that's, that's what's going to shape where you're going to go if if the the bump in the road the the destination changes the 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 unthinkable happens right mm-hmm. um it's gonna it's gonna help you survive or may even you know uh, determine whether you survive yeah yeah i i think that's a really good point whether you survive or not i think is based on yeah a lot of things but yeah, yeah. vision and values where i land brett what's coming up for you as yeah. this conversation's going on I'm a big believer in vision and values too, and where where it's got my head in a fun place right now. What do you need in a VUCA world to move forward, right? Mm-hmm. Vision is one of those, some unyielding commitment to values. Yeah. Collaboration. Yeah. Action. Wait, did you just do... I did. A new VUCA? I did. Oh my goodness. Say it. Say it one more time. I, I, Ben's looking at you with a blank stare. <laughs> did now? Now you you talked about VUCA ness before VUCA-ness, yeah yeah so I feel like was that a made up term or did you VUCA itself no VUCA ness oh yeah Taylor I think just coined that at yeah. the beginning of the show okay that's yeah. why I just VUCA ness and, <laughs> and then now you're now hit hit me with that explain right, so, that a little so bit a, better so a new a new terminology what you need to respond yep. in a VUCA world is is vision. Um, some sort of unyielding commitment. I don't know that I could work on the you part for sure. Collaboration and action. Yes. VUCA meets VUCA. I love that. Yeah. Fight VUCA with VUCA. Yeah. I think that is really, really, really insightful. I love that so much. Yeah. So do I. How are you actually going to run a company differently to be a little more resilient in a VUCA world? Honest to gosh, like thinking this through, like I, I think they're, you know, kind of like thinking about like some brainstorming around uh, external forces that play on you. And, and, and obviously I, I 
this this was born from the military and they they probably you know kind of play out some of these war games and sim- simulations and things that happen um honestly i i really i'm taking from this that companies should be doing the same thing like you know what what happens if we can't can't get this thing that we sell or what it happens if if this customer segment goes away um so what i'm taking from this is that i think that maybe there needs to be some more uh like open thinking yeah. about about pressures and things that could um come so you can be prepared and 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 of course if the unthinkable happens you're not going to have all the answers right but you can at least have a plan in place to go attack that that situation and and maybe even go as far and and, and you brought this up you know if you don't have a succession plan for you know somebody that leaves maybe have a have a little bit of a succession plan built into this right like if you're talking about a big organization like hey if if all heck breaks loose and our our you know CEO who is great leaves dies whatever who is going to fill backfill for him and yeah. and then who can help backfill in so you know like what what would that uh, path look like so i guess maybe disaster planning Disaster planning. All right. I don't know if that's, uh, yeah, that's not a that's not a really exciting acronym, and I didn't, you know, <laughs> come up and invent something on the show, but you know, that's my two cents. What, what I think about though is like honestly, if you walk out of here and say, you know what, we haven't talked about disaster planning at all in your industry, specifically in the sales side of things, you probably could have benefited of somebody asking the question, like what happens if all this changes? Like how are we going to, you know, keep our salespeople engaged and paid and happy? Um, Cause now it's all kind of like a, probably a pretty quick work in progress. Huh? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes fast or changes fast. Mm -hmm. I agree with Brett. I think if enterprise risk assessment is not something that, your business is doing like it's certainly something good to do and is like yeah I th- and i think it's really easy for um like especially like newer businesses i say like new businesses and really established businesses to get complacent or in terms of or maybe not complacent complacent maybe and established and not have enough time or energy like in the new space right like everything's a risk when you're you're so brand new right but that kind of brings the vuca like the vuca brings those things together right everything is uncertain so one i i, I love the suggestion of like enterprise risk management scenario planning got to do it i think for me again and and i've already laid into this but i'm just gonna keep laying into it i think in the midst of whatever disaster or you know, risk that would manifest, you've got to have a vision and value set. I think if you, if you, if you can't go to your employee base at, at the outset of a pandemic of what, like a cataclysmic event for your organization, whatever it is, and say, we know that this is bad and we know this has changed everything that we were working on, but we know what's important to us. And we know why we're here and why we brought you on. And the, the, the outcome might look a little different now. And we don't, we don't even know what the outcome looks like now. But we know what we believe in and we know what we stand for and we know why we're here. And so I think the, the closing thought is just to lean into that and to always have that as your fallback. And 
the minutiae will, you know, have to be worked out. Uh, just, you know, make sure that you, you, you've got that, that guiding North star, those principles to really, really lean into when times get really, really bad. So this conversation has really made me think about open book management right now, which is the business practice of creating transparency by sharing financial information with employees. Mm -hmm. And I think if you start a company with that level of transparency, almost empowerment, it creates a culture of innovation and protection of business. And I, that's where my mind went is like, how do you actually structure the business to feel safe enough to innovate, to be empowered, to respond to all these changes? And, and unless you're bringing people along for the ride the entire time, um, from a vision perspective, finance, all of it, I, I think you're playing catch up as soon as something goes wrong. So I know that's probably a risky proposition. It's a, it's a hard thing to do, but, uh, I mean, Brett, we've, I mean, we've got the, a chance to engage with, uh, representatives from companies that have done open book management, mm -hmm. which is where we learned from it. So not pie in the sky, real thing. And if it's done well, the benefits are amazing. Employee-owned companies, yeah, ESOPs, right? I mean, that's and and having everyone take ownership and and act like an owner, yeah, all the way down, right? And 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 having uh, obviously having a ownership stake in the company, and then also like knowing that every everything you're doing is affecting the outcome of, or well, pl plays a role in the in the outcome of the company, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know how you get through a, like if, if we're in a VUCA world where it's going to be like pandemic every couple of years or whatever it is, I do not know how you run a business without getting to some level where people are more engaged and feel a sense of ownership. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand how you would, because people will, will either jump ship or, or, you know, you're going to let them go for whatever reason because of the finances. And, and maybe this is uh, back to the whole public company versus private company type of conversation that, that we've danced around. You, you know, it's really hard to s predict, like, what any individual, I should say what the motives of a person are. Right. But what comes up to me when you say that are, you know, I think there's folks out there who faced with the pandemic situation might feel like they, I'm, I'm the CEO of this organization. I have to make these calls. Like right. I, I was paid for these to make these by decisions. Myself. Yeah. By myself or close circle. Right. You know, maybe cause I, I, I can't agree more with you. I think like opening that up, that dialogue up and being transparent and looking for ideas from every corner of the of business is so important and leaders I think can feel the pressure to feel like I have to make this call. Yeah. Right. This is why I'm paid for. And so I'm not going to actually seek alternative perspectives or maybe they'll be very limited and focused. And then I'm going to make that call as a general practice. You, you should always be looking for those ideas. You should have a right. means That's and methods the... to just like let your, those ideas need to have a place to live and breathe and feel free to flow. And so I, I can't agree more. With Let's you. go. There it is, folks. Fight VUCA with VUCA. Join us next time as we ask the question, is the resume dead? Are we doing it wrong? If you like the show, please subscribe. Otherwise, keep on challenging the status quo and fighting the good fight. See you next time.